do you think of when you hear the word unity? Maybe you think of candles at a wedding or even a country like the United States of America. I bet most of us don't think of the church first when we think about being united. Now, why is that? Well, we're going to spend some time exploring this idea together. Hi, my name's Jason, and welcome to Community Christian Anywhere. Welcome to Community Christian Anywhere. We're a community of Christ followers who meet together online each week to worship God. And we learn how to better live out His command to love everyone always. See, I know life can be confusing and difficult at times, and we believe God wants to help you with that. Because no matter what you think about God, we believe He can't stop thinking about you. During the video teaching, you'll see a number on the screen. If you have any questions about what you're hearing, or even if you just need some advice or some encouragement, go ahead and text that number. It'll go directly to our speaker for today, and they'll get back with you as soon as they're able. Now, one of the best ways God can work through you is in community. And if you're new to Community Christian Anywhere, we're so glad that you've decided to join us. We believe God wants to hear from you, and we do too. So if you're watching on a live stream, go ahead and send us a message in our chat right now. And if you've never communicated with us before, we really want to hear from you. In fact, we're so serious about this that we want to offer you a free $10 Grubhub gift card just for commenting for the very first time. All you need to do is leave a first time chat with these words, I love free food, and we'll send you a Grubhub gift card on us. Now, if you're not watching on a live stream right now, you can still participate. Just text the words, I love free food to the number at the top of the screen, and we'll make sure you get a free gift card as well. I really hope this is something you'll do because we're so excited that you're here and we would be honored to just hear from you. Now it's time to get started with our main idea, but we want you to keep chatting with our community. And as you do that, let's watch this together. So what is something you're hoping will be true of you or our world 10 years from now? Hi, my name's Ed. I'm glad you're with us today. So again, what's something you're hoping will be true of you or our world 10 years from now? It could be something personal, maybe a goal you have or something you hope you've done by 2031. Put it in the chat right now and if you're watching with somebody, just tell them right out loud. I have to tell you, I'm no good at those kind of questions. It's not that I don't have goals, it's just I'm bad at predicting the future. <laughs> I'm clearly not a prophet, I'm not the son of a prophet. But when it comes to looking into our country's future in one area, I don't really have to be. I just have to look at the trends to see that in less than 30 years, people who are called white for the sake of our made up race designations, we're no longer gonna be the majority in the United States. In fact, there's not gonna be a single race of people in this country that have a 50% majority. Most likely, in our state, it'll happen sooner than that. Last week in the series, Pieces to Peace, I, I talked to you about our country's racial division and I told you my non-political agenda for this series. The agenda is for community Christian to fully embrace and embody God's dream of using the multi-ethnic church as a witness 
to his saving and reconciling grace. I told you, it's easier to be a monoethnic church, but easy is not the goal we should be pursuing. We should pursue God's desire for his church. Last week, I just read a lot of the Bible to make clear to you that multi-ethnic church may not be easier, but it is for sure God's better vision for his church. And the reason it's God's vision is told us it would show his grace and God's wisdom to the world. But in addition to that, you might not know this, but it's what Jesus prayed would happen the night before he died. He said that our unity would be the greatest proof that he's the son of God. The night before he died, he prayed this prayer over us. John 17, 23. May they, that's us, experience perfect unity that the world will know that you, he's talking to God, sent me and that you love them as much as you love me. Do you hear what Jesus prayed? That we would practice such unity in the body of Christ that people will believe in the identity of Christ, that they would come to believe that God really loves them because they see our love for each other. In a world that's been corrupted and polluted by racism and classism and sexism and now politicism, we know that Jesus is the answer for all of that. But you can't argue people into seeing that, but you can show them. Jesus said that people will be one to him when they see that his disciples are one in him. Now, it's essential to remember something. The mission is not racial unity. Racial unity, however, is critical to the mission. The mission is to make disciples of every ethnicity and help them obey what Jesus commanded. And racial unity is indispensable to that mission. And some of you have seen that when a mission really matters, well, other differences, they don't. Over the course of the last year that I've begun to talk about this publicly, I've gotten emails and have conversations with a lot of people who've been very open about their own journey away from racial bias. And two things have come through more than just a few times. For some people, playing sports, that's what changed them. Being on a ball field or a basketball court with people of other ethnicities where the mission of winning was way more important than their differences, it taught them something they don't think they would have learned any other way. It caused them to look at people differently. And the other thing I've heard more than once was that serving in the military with people of different ethnicities. It taught them a thing that they didn't think they would have learned otherwise. I was reminded of a book by Carl Melantis. Uh, Carl grew up uh, on the coast of Oregon. Uh, he only had white people in his life until he joined the Marines. And his, his post was as a lieutenant serving in Vietnam. He said there in his platoon, there was this 18-year-old Hispanic young man from Texas named Ray Agato. Uh, Ray got a care package from home with some homemade tamales in it. He said, Lieutenant, would you like to try one of my mama's tamales? So Carl tried them and Ray asked him, so what'd you think? He said, well, Ray, they're really hard to chew. Ray said, Lieutenant, you're supposed to take them out of the corn husk first. But he went on to say that even though we were different, when people are shooting at you, you really don't care what the color of a person's skin is next to you who's trying to help you stay alive. He wrote, for many of us, we had our first experience with racial differences in Vietnam and thousands of us came home with new ideas about race some for the worse, most for the better. 
When it's essential to a mission that matters, then differences don't matter. Every week, I've been asking you to pray a prayer. Here's the prayer for this week. God, make Community Christian a congregation that has unity among different ages, classes, and ethnicities, that many people who are currently far from you will come to know Jesus through our unified witness. That's what I want us to pray. In the Bible, Jesus prayed that his followers throughout the rest of time would be one through God. He prayed for unity, not separation among his believers. I'd like to take a moment and pray something similar with you right now. And after I pray, I want you to take a moment to reflect on how you can bring this idea to life. If you aren't sure what you believe about Jesus, that's okay. I hope you'll take a moment and just reflect on what Jesus may be trying to say to you right now. But as we begin, let's pray the same words that Jesus prayed on the night before his death. Read along with me and pray the words in bold out loud. Let's begin. Jesus prayed, I am praying not only for these disciples, but also for all who will ever believe in me through their message. I pray that they will all be one, just as you and I are one. As you are in me, Father, I am in you. And may they be in us so that the world will believe you sent me. I have given them the glory you gave me so they may be one as we are one. Now, in the following moments of silence, pray for God to unite his church in love so that brothers and sisters from every nation, language, and skin tone can be one family and show the world the love we have in Jesus. Father, we ask you to make Community Christian a place where there is no division. May the words that Jesus spoke over us become true for my brothers and sisters at Community Christian and all over the world. May old and young, black, brown, white, rich and poor, all join together to become one united group of people in the love of Jesus so that your church can be the witness to our world that when people see our love for each other, they will see your love for them. We ask for this all in your holy name. Amen. So let me start by showing you what that kind of unity and diversity looks like. And we have such a great example in the Bible described in the book of Acts in the New Testament. It says, Meanwhile, the believers who had been scattered during the persecution after Stephen's death traveled as far as Phoenicia, Cyprus, and Antioch of Syria. They preached the word of God, but only to Jews. However, some of the believers who went to Antioch from Cyprus and Cyrene began preaching to the Gentiles about the Lord Jesus. The power of the Lord was with them, and a large number of these Gentiles believed and turned to the Lord. Now, this is the first recorded instance of Christians building this kind of bridge that would fulfill Jesus' mission to go make disciples of every ethnic group. And it started in Antioch. 
Now, historians have showed us that Antioch, like most cities, was very ethnically divided. There were 18 separate quarters of town where people lived based on their ethnicity and their social status. But then Christians showed up. Now, we should admit that they were unintentional missionaries. They had been driven out of the city of Jerusalem by per persecution, but even though they didn't want to come, they do believe that the Jesus way is for everybody. So they talk talking about it to everybody and people begin to follow Jesus. And then they start thinking, if we believe in the same Jesus, then why aren't we sitting at the same table? But that had never before happened in any other area. So word of that got out. I mean, it always does. So we're told. When the church at Jerusalem heard what had happened, that there were Christians in Antioch meeting across racial lines, doing the Jesus mission together. When they heard that, they sent Barnabas to Antioch, and when he arrived, he saw the evidence of God's blessing. He was filled with joy, and he encouraged the believers to stay true to the Lord. Barnabas was a good man, full of the Holy Spirit, strong in faith, and many people were brought to the Lord. Now, that's twice that the writer of Acts wants us to note that the people are following Jesus and it's happening because our unity is a witness. So Barnabas shows up and he's never seen this before, but he can't help but notice God's all over this thing, which shouldn't surprise us because that's what Jesus said would happen if we were had unity when he prayed the night before he was crucified. The reason that should be of note to us is that Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. rightly noted that the most segregated period of time in America today is Sunday, when Christians gather together to worship Jesus. But in Antioch, the most integrated time of the whole week in the whole city was when Christians gathered on Sunday to worship Jesus. And you'll note that we're told the believers were first called Christians at Antioch. So. Barnabas goes and he gets this guy named Saul and he brings him to Antioch. And that's not a coincidence because God has a plan for Saul. In our culture, we call him Paul. And he's the person most responsible for people of my ethnicity ever hearing the name of Jesus. Paul's gonna push this multi-ethnic thing deep into Christianity. So he comes to Antioch for training. In fact, later we're told about this church among the prophets and teachers of the church at Antioch of Syria were Barnabas, Simeon, called the Black Man, Lucius from Cyrene, Mannion, the childhood companion of King Antipas, and Saul. One day, as these men were worshiping the Lord and fasting, the Holy Spirit said, point Barnabas and Saul for the special work to which I have called them. So after more fasting and prayer, the men laid their hands on them and sent them on their way. God saying to them, the church that I want spread across the whole empire, it's like the one in Antioch. I mean, did you notice how intentional Luke was in describing their ethnic diversity? I mean, Luke, in writing this, we know at least two of these leaders were black men. At least two of them are Jewish men. At least one of them comes from high status in the palace. I mean, they're ethnically and socioeconomically diverse because Christianity, it's never belonged to one ethnicity. No, not belong to one socioeconomic group more than any other. In fact, I believe that this is one of the best proofs that Christianity is the one true way to God, it is the fact that it's the only world religion that it doesn't have a center. 
Here's what I mean. If I were to ask you, so where do you think Buddhism started? Well, it started in the Far East. Where's the center of Buddhism today? It's in the Far East. Where did Islam start? It started in the Middle East. And where's the center of Islam today? The Middle East. Where'd Hinduism start? In India. Where's the center of Hinduism today? It's in India. Where did Christianity begin? Well, it began in the Middle East, in Jerusalem. Where's the center of Christianity today? I mean, it started in the Middle East, but 200 years after that, the center of Christianity is Africa. I mean, all the early church fathers, like Augustine, they're Africans. But then the center moved to Europe and was there for a few hundred years, and then it moved to America. But it ain't here anymore. Today, by population of Christians, the center of Christianity is Africa. And if trends hold, it'll soon be China. You can see it, right? Christianity is always on mission. Christianity doesn't have a central ethnicity because Christianity doesn't have a home team. Christianity is where everyone can find a home. <laughs> and, and now I'm preaching. The world's never seen anything like what happened in Antioch. And that's what God wants. The multi-ethnic church will always be better, but it will never be easy because unity is a process. Overcoming racial bigotry is a decision, but it's also a journey. I'll show you that kind of idea through the life of a man named Peter. Peter's the first spokesman for the way of Jesus after the resurrection. He's Jewish with all of his dietary restrictions. One day he's asleep and he has this vision from God where there's a sheet with many animals that are unclean for him to eat lowered before him. God says, rise, kill and eat. But Peter says, no, I don't do that, Lord. By the way, Lord and no, they don't really work well together. So there's a knock on the door and, and Peter's called to go to a house full of non-Jewish people, which as a good Jewish person, also would make him unclean. And it dawns on Peter what God has been trying to tell him. And he makes this remarkable statement. I really understand now that to God, every person is the same. So he starts to preach and the Holy Spirit comes to these people right in the middle of him preaching. And the people wanna follow Jesus. And Peter says, what am I waiting for? So he baptizes and he gets called before the church leaders to explain his behavior but not for baptizing. It was for eating with them, you'll notice. That's still a hang up for a lot of people. The truth is, I don't think I've ever met a Christian who doesn't think all people who follow Jesus can get into heaven, but I met more than a few that hope they don't get into their church. So separate but equal, it's been the lie that we've lived with for centuries and it is destroying our witness. So Peter's the first one to introduce non-Jewish people into Christianity without them first becoming Jews. But later Peter goes to our church in Antioch and Paul writes about that and says, I had to oppose him to his face for what he did was very wrong when he first arrived. He ate with Gentile believers who were not circumcised. But afterwards, when some friends of James, which means they came from Jerusalem, Peter wouldn't eat with the Gentiles anymore. He was afraid of criticism from these people who insisted on the necessity of circumcision. As a result, other Jewish believers followed Peter's hypocrisy, 
Even Barnabas was led astray by their hypocrisy. One, one reason I'm glad I wasn't in church when the letters were writ being written. Imagine how terrible it'd be to have your worst moment written down for history for everybody to learn a lesson from. I mean, we all have our biases, no matter how good we are. I mean, Peter spoke the truth. I believe everybody is the same to God, but life will put you in places where I've got to live out what I believe and that gets tested. And in that moment, deep inside of you, stuff comes out you didn't even realize was there. I'm sure Peter tried to justify it. Hey, I, I'm just trying to keep the peace. Give them some time to adjust. There'd be so much tension if I, I try to get both races at the same table at the same time. So I'll just sit over here with all the Jews, but, but you guys, I mean, you know I love you. I mean, we all love Jesus, right? But Paul understood. Peter's actions were implying to the people of the other ethnicities, oh, you can be a Christian, well, you'll always be a second-class citizen in the kingdom of God. Look at Paul, he says in verse 14, I saw that they were not following the truth of the gospel message. And so Paul got in Peter's face about grace and how grace reminds us that we're all the same, which reminds us sometimes we've got to stand up for the truth of grace. And when we do it, there'll be times when you have to give voice to your witness. It was January the 1st, 1863. William Seward's Secretary of State walked into the Oval Office and put a piece of paper on the president's desk. Abraham Lincoln picked up a pen to sign it and put it back down. A moment later, he picked up the pen again and he put it back down. Seward was confused. Lincoln explained, I I've been shaking hands all day and my, my hands feel numb. I, I just can't feel the pen. If I try to sign this now, my signature is gonna be shaky. And years later, people will look at it and say, he signed it, but his heart wasn't in it. The document they were talking about was the Emancipation Proclamation. So Lincoln waited until there was feeling in his hand and he boldly and firmly signed the paper that said, all are created equal and should be free. I'll tell you this, in our country on this subject, there's gonna come a moment when you're gonna be in a situation where what you say you believe, that all men are created equal, it's gonna be tested. And you're gonna to have to make a stand to be a witness. Let me just speak directly to my white brothers and sisters. I think for many of us, we keep setting the bar so low. I mean, the bar's been, well, I'm not doing anything wrong. I didn't own a slave. I, I don't use the N word. There's an immigrant family in our neighborhood and I don't have a problem with that. My kids are playing on the same team with some black kids. Is that the standard? I mean, Jesus' famous story of the Good Samaritan starts with a man being mugged and a religious priest sees him and walks by and say, hey, I'm not making it any worse. I didn't mug him. Christian warrior walks by and says, I didn't profit from the money they taken from him. It's not my fault. Jesus makes clear to us that for us, our standard is not that I didn't do anything. It's what can I do in the power of the Holy Spirit to love my neighbor and to make it better. That's the standard. And we together are gonna to be working to make it better in our community. But it all starts with the question, how can I be better? And that's why I've asked you to start to pray, Lord, what do you want to say to me? Since last summer, when I started talking about this, I've had some fantastic feedback from some of you who are honestly enter, enter, entering into this. 
one man uh, just a little bit younger than me said, I, I really can't change my past. I can't change how I was raised, but I can ask God to help me be more like him every day. And I can ask him to help me, to use me to change my world. And then in his strength, I can do what I can do to follow where he leads. You see, we're all on this journey and we all have the same need. It's for God's power to help us to be the multicolored, wonderful body of Christ. This is why Jesus gave his life. While Jesus was on earth, he spent time preaching that he had come to save people from all nations and that all people would be given the opportunity for a full and abundant life through him. And all people means just what he said. All different kinds of people, all skin tones, all ethnicities, all races were created by God and equally weighed down by the brokenness of our sin. And so Jesus took this brokenness held by all people upon himself and he paid the ultimate price for it, his death on the cross, so that we would be able to live again. Before he did this, he asked his closest followers to take part in the meal of communion with him. This meal is the example that Christ's followers throughout history have repeated to remember the sacrifice that he made for us. And so, if you want to join us in communion today, feel free to use whatever emblems that you have on hand. It could be a cracker or some bread to represent his body and some juice or even water to represent his blood. But if you're here and you're not sure you believe all that we do, I hope you'll use this time to reflect on all you've experienced today. Is it possible that there's a God who loved his creation so much that he had his perfect son take the weight of our sin away? If so, does he want me to know him? I believe he does. So would you consider using these moments to reach out to him in prayer? Maybe reach out to our speaker for today through text. But if you're a follower of Jesus, let's take the bread. This is the body of Jesus given for you to forgive your sins and offer you the gift of new life. Let's take and eat and remember. And now the cup. This is the blood of Christ poured out to make a new agreement between God and his people. Life forever in his kingdom. Let's drink and remember. For whenever we eat this bread and drink this cup, we declare the victory of Jesus over the brokenness of our world until he returns. Amen. Don't forget that as the people of God, our place to start to make it better is, how can I be better on this issue? The reason that's the common starting place is that we all have the same need. It's a part of what communion reminds us. We're all impacted by sin and we can't cure ourselves. So our unity as followers of Christ, it has a basis. It's our need for God to do something. In fact, I had someone tell me where they found the place that jumped them across the ethnic barrier. And when they mentioned it, I can understand why. For them, it wasn't the ball field or the military. It was the cancer treatment ward. The ground's completely level there. And I know some of you have been there. 
You pull your car into the parking garage, you make that long walk to the elevator where your personal envelope contains your manila folder of lab reports that you don't understand. Today's your day. You're gonna start chemo or radiation. And you walk into that room full of people and that's what you see, people. You don't see a Jewish man or a young Muslim girl or a redneck or a Republican or a Democrat or rich or poor. You see people that are all in the same place. We all have cancer. And I've heard it from more than one person. A fellowship develops there. And if one person gets good news, everybody rejoices because we're all infected with the same disease that we cannot cure. And we're all working together to get to the end together. Folks, that's the feel the church ought to have. No matter how well you're doing in this world, we all have the same problem we can't solve. But the difference we know is we know the person who can save anyone. We just remembered it in communion. If we look at the death and resurrection of Jesus and what he's doing in our world, it changes the way you look at every single person. And Paul talks about it, he says, for Christ's love compels us because we're convinced that one died for all. He says, we've stopped evaluating others from a human point of view. This means that anyone who belongs to Christ has become a new person. The old life is gone and the new life has begun. All of this is a gift from God who brought us back to himself through Christ and God has given us the task of reconciling people to him. You see what he's saying is, because of what Jesus has done for me on the cross, from us, they don't, they don't apply anymore for us. They just don't apply. What matters now is simply this. I look at everyone through the lens of Jesus. Everyone I meet either knows Jesus or needs Jesus. And if you're in the body of Christ, there is no longer us Christians over here and those Christians over there. It's just us who've been cleansed by the washing of the water by the word, Jesus. And for us, water is way thicker than blood. All of us who've entered into the baptismal waters and united with his death and resurrection, we've come up, new creations, and our new family now are, are those who are also in Christ. Paul talks about it in Galatians 3. For you all are children of God through faith in Christ, Jesus and all who've been united with Christ in baptism have put on Christ, like putting on new clothes. There's no longer a Jew or Gentile, slave or free, male or female, for you are all one in Christ. Baptism is our symbol of unity with Christ and with each other, and he unites. Baptism is the church's public rebuke of racism and no longer Jew or Greek. It's the public repudiation of classism, no longer slave nor free. It's our public rejection of sexism. There's no longer male nor female through baptism. We give witness to the world that anyone can enter the water and everyone can sit with us at the table. I read some years ago a story I still remember during the Civil War, the, the North on one side and the South on the other side of this, of the Rapid River in in Virginia and everyone knew that the next day was just gonna be a horrific battle. And there's a Confederate soldier who needed to make things right with the Lord and he had some friends. They took him down to the river to baptize him in full view of the Northern Army. So they walked down. When some Northern soldiers saw what was happening, they came down. So you got Northern soldiers and Southern soldiers. They're both together in the river to encourage this man who wants to get baptized.
And they started to sing a song that both sides knew. There is a fountain filled with blood drawn from Emmanuel's veins. And sinners plunged beneath that flood lose all their guilty stains. And for just one powerful moment, baptism was a witness. Jesus is the answer to hate. Jesus is the answer to walls. And boy, does our world need it. Our witness to this is what they need. So we have to pray about it. So would you pray with me? Bow with me right now. So God, this is our prayer. It's big, it's bold, it's beautiful that exactly what Jesus asked will happen at Community Christian here in Coweta County. And it'll be so profound that it'll transcend class and gender and race and people who are far from God will see what's happening here and they'll be open to reconciliation with you because of what they witnessed by reconciliation in us. That's what I ask for God, that many will come to Christ because of the unity of the body of Christ. It's what Jesus prayed for, and we agree with him. So we ask for this in his name, amen. Now, I wanna end by having you listen to a song that it's called Resurrecting. And it really does talk about what the whole story of what Jesus does. But I also wanna ask you to consider Maybe you've been joining with us for a long time and you've never personally been through that resurrection of going into the baptism waters and being raised up to walk a new life. You need your life resurrected, be united with people in the body of Christ. If that's what you want, then right now, while this song, while you listen to the power of this song, would you text the number on the screen and just say, baptism, I'll reach out to you. We, wherever you are, will help you be united with Christ in baptism. Let's join together listening to this song and maybe even taking a chance right where you are and singing this song.
Can you imagine the light the church could shine for the world if Christians of all races could come together and be united in God's mission to love everyone always? Would you join me this week in praying for a change of heart in ourselves and in our world? If you're still wondering how to get started or wondering what to say, you can text the number on the screen and our speaker, he'll help you out. And if you haven't already done so, visit us online at cccanywhere.com. There you'll find some resources that can help you during your week. You'll also see some material that's made specifically for your children so they can also connect with God on their level. You'll see ways that you can support our church financially if you feel led to do so. Not because we need your money, but because trusting God sometimes means we need to give back some of what we've been given to serve and take care of others. And the best way to get involved in our community is by joining our Facebook group so you can keep up with us and what's happening throughout the week. While you're visiting us on cccanywhere.com, click on the card that says join our Facebook group. That'll take you to our Community Christian Anywhere Facebook page, and then you can click the join group button. I really hope you'll do that right now because the first step in uniting together to serve God is by connecting with other people who don't look like me. And remember, no matter what you think about God, we believe he can't stop thinking about you.